0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Well, it is my absolute honor to be able to introduce Reverend Robin Ryan. She's been with Unity a long time and is um, trained in NLP and it has a soul purpose ministry is what you call it. Soul purpose ministry. She is... um, She's someone who I have been lucky enough to really be able to witness her embodiment of principle. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what is now a funny story. I will never forget Robin because she very generously invited me a few years ago out to ride horses. She's a serious horsewoman, and it And I'm a super experienced horse person, but we had this totally freak thing. I really still don't really know what happened, but the horse fell on me And when it got off, I sit up, and Robin's over at the other end of the arena, and my foot is at a 90 degree angle. And Robin's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, no, I'm definitely not okay. And I got to watch her then go into super competent, you know, former airline pilot, take care of it, get things done, and got me in the ambulance, kept me breathing so as not to pass out. Um, And I now will always carry A little bit of extra metal, courtesy Robin's horse. (laughs) So Robin Ryan, very delighted to have you and to hear your message.
1: Good morning, am I on? How's that? They'll get it figured out. There we go, good morning. How are you all doing this morning? It's good to see you. It's my joy to talk about joy. And isn't that a wonderful place to be? How many of you like being in joy? Yeah! How many of you live in joy all the time? Yeah. That's why I thought it would be fun to talk about. Because it sounds so easy and it sounds so delightful. And don't we want to be in it? Now, we've all seen movies where there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other. And I think they have a lot to do with, with how we experience joy. Like eating that piece of pie and the angel's going, doesn't that taste good? And the devil goes, you know you're going to pay for it later. <laughs> and, 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 but, but it tastes so good, I'm going to enjoy this for everything it is. Yeah, right now, tomorrow, you're going to want another piece of pie. Have you noticed that? We argue with ourselves, and we actually talk ourselves out of joy. How dare that devil talk to us that way? <laughs> so how often when you're feeling joyful, maybe even just a little bit, and some bad news comes your way, and what happens? The joy quotient just goes poof, down to the basement, doesn't it? And we let it. Do you know we have a choice? Do you know that joy is a muscle we can train? And boy, that's better than working out in a gym, is working out on your joy muscle. Because anytime time we allow anything, anyone, any circumstance, any thought to steal our joy, we can take it back. It hasn't gone far. One of the things I noticed is our guilt factor. We have a big guilt factor in our culture that won't let us stay in joy all the time. For example, all winter long, and everyone is raving about our lovely, benign, easy winter. And and they're kind of feeling guilty about enjoying it because After all, they know that we're in drought and we're going to pay for this. And I point out to people over and over, and I watch the surprise on their face when I say, you know, you can enjoy this weather because you're not changing it either way, so you might as well enjoy what is. But Murphy's Law thinks that we can't be too happy about that because then we make it worse. Isn't that true? And yet, we feel so unempowered in some areas, but somehow with Murphy's Law we feel very like it's my fault if I enjoy this too much. When I was flying a oh, long time ago before we went all electronic in the, in the cockpits, and I was learning the job at United as a new co-pilot, and one of, our, one of the jobs of the co-pilot was to fill out the pilot logbook and um, en route somewhere, I'd pull it out and you know, put in departure airport, time of departure, who's flying, all that stuff, and then arrival airport. So I'm filling it out and the captain looks over and he goes, don't put the arrival airport in yet. And I said, well, why not? We're going to Seattle. He says, but we're not there yet. We don't want to chance it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He says, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you write that in after we land. Okay, so I dutifully, for years, I dutifully wrote in the, the uh, arrival airport after landing. And finally I went, is that really resonating with me? No, it's not. And so I started writing it, and i got to tell you, to be all honest here, the first time I wrote that arrival airport in, it kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> because our culture teaches this. It's so deep in us. And so I rode in the arrival airport of Seattle, and the captain looks over and goes, oh, don't do I said, don't worry. If we have a weather problem and land in Boeing Field instead, I will dutifully cross out Seattle and ride in Boeing Field. And he went, oh, okay. And he looked so surprised that it gave lightness to that, and it gave lightness to our belief in Murphy's Law. The other area I've noticed is we are an empathetic being. When someone's in pain or someone isn't feeling really good, we we feel for them. And so if I'm in joy and you're feeling bad in some way. I want to let go of my joy to be on your level. But I've let go of my joy. So there are so many areas that we let it go. After all, though, if you're physically sick, I don't feel the need to join you in being physically sick, do I? But somehow we feel we need to join a person in lowering our joy if they're not on the same level. What is your joy quotient? How many times do you have a sense of joy for no apparent reason? Like maybe this morning, I walked outside and went, ah, oh, of course that was a reason, the weather was so, that was so great. And you're just feeling that joy, and then you have a thought, followed by the pang, and there goes the joy out the window. How many times does that happen? I remember when I was a child, and I don't—I was quite young, I would say probably under five, and I was at the doctor's office, and my mom had her arm around me, and the doctor and the nurse were hovering around me doing something I don't recall, and I was quite enjoying myself. I was feeling all this attention, and it was great. And I didn't know it was coming, and they gave me a shot. And I jumped! And It made me quit feeling joy and relaxing and it put me in a state of tense expectation. How many times do we live in a state of tense expectation because we feel like we're preparing for the worst? But does that really set you up? for preparing for the worst? Or does it wear you out so that when the worst is there, the best of you is tired? So most of us are older here. We've experienced a little pain in our lives. How's your pain tolerance? Is it pretty high? I have a pretty good pain tolerance. I can handle a pretty good amount of pain and for a fairly long period of time. Have you noticed that changed in your life when you were a little kid? A tiny little thing was really just the end of the world, and now it's just, oh, well, okay. Have you ever considered your joy tolerance? Now, I have timed this, and I'm sorry to say I didn't like the result. I was in joy, and I was just enjoying my joy, and I thought, I'm going to notice how long I can keep this going. And I'm sitting in joy and I'm, I'm noticing the nature. And I was sitting um, in my, my dining room where I have this beautiful view of my garden and a distant view of the mountains and my horses. And, and I'm just, how long can I stay, stay in this? And then, oh, well, what's the thing I need to do tomorrow? And, I, and my brain just clicked away from joy. That is the muscle and that is the nervous system that says, oh, that's all it can take. Think about that. You can work that muscle and get it working better, longer and show up more when you need it. It's really pretty interesting how this is why doesn't anyone teach? Let's, let's, let's learn how to be in more joy, more often, and, and, and where that can take you. My goal in life, some people uh, have different spiritual goals and uh, you know, I, I, I never wanted to reach Nirvana. I don't want to sit on a mountain and in meditation like a monk, that's just never been my goal. So I know that I want to experience all life has to give me. And that means the good stuff and the bad stuff and everything in between. So my goal is to be the, the uh, blow-up bowling pin. You know that kid's toy, they sit quite high, and they blow up, and there's a weight in the bottom, so you can punch it, and it goes whoa, whoa and then it kind of finds center again. That's my goal. When life hits me, because I want to I experience it all. I don't want to just sit in nothingness. When life hits me, how fast can I get back to joy? And that one I think I'm doing better on. I'm, I'm a little happier with that one. I'm still working on the joy muscle. But I can find center a lot faster. And, and that is, well, it's kind of exciting. Um, one of, the, one of my favorite stories when I was flying is I was chatting with a flight attendant after the flight, and she said, oh, she says, I had a, a real problem passenger, and I said, tell me. And this flight attendant had the most big, beautiful doe eyes you've ever seen. And she said, well, I had this first-class guy come on, and he had too many carry-ons. So I went up to him and said, sir, you have too many carry-ons, you'll have to check one. And this passenger goes, do you know who I am? Which they kind of get a lot. And she showed me the doe eyes she gave him. She went, with sad eyes. And then she looked to the passenger settling beside him and said, Sir, do you know who this is? He doesn't know who he is. <laughs> and she stunned him into silence while she very calmly took one of his carry ons and took it away to be checked. And she said, And I kept it going the whole flight. Every time I served him, I gave him the sad eyes. And he never said a peep. (laughs) I wish you could have seen her eyes. It was incredible. So that's one of the reasons where we have trouble finding joy, is because we go where another person is, and it's hard to make the leap back but it's doable. You have to start with where a person is. If someone's not feeling well, or or going through a challenge, and go, "Oh yeah, you know, I just got this bad news today, you don't bounce with joy, that's really not very effective. You go with where they are and go, oh, really, wow, tell me more. But then you can lead them into joy if you're willing to build yours up little by little and take them with you. Some people are willing, some people are not, but is it really your job to stay down there with them or to come back to joy so you can be a bigger support? So joy is needed in our society. The other thing too is I've noticed I'll be in joy Everything's good, and then I'll remember a problem. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And I kill my own joy. Oh yeah, I can't can't feel joyful now. I've got to worry about how I'm going to handle this. I haven't figured it out yet. And when we look at what is wrong, that just takes you right down, doesn't it? Now, all skiers know if you ski through the trees, If someone tells the skier, don't hit the tree, guess where they go? They hit the tree. So instead, the skier needs to look at the path. Where do they want to go? And then they can easily ski in between the trees, because they're not looking at them. They're looking at the path, and where you're looking is where you're going to end up going. The same is true for joy. And I looked at this and went, okay, I can't be, happy now because I have to worry about this." And then I thought, now how goofy is that? When you're stressed, when you're upset, when you're nervous, anxious about something, if you could see the blood vessels in your head constrict, now you don't have as much blood running in there because you're worrying. Does that lead to good decision making? Not so much, does it? But If we can take that concern, worry, whatever, and go, hang on here, I'm going to go back to joy because I'm not ready to handle you yet. And if we can come back to our own joy, then staying in joy, say, okay, now I'm willing to talk to you because now I have the bandwidth to my creativity and that spirit, isn't it? That is how Spirit speaks to and through us and we can't hear it when our blood vessels are all constricted. But when we're in joy, that's when we get our biggest and best inspirations. It's when when life feels rich and everything feels possible, doesn't it? When you're in joy, is there anything that can't be handled? No. When you're anxious, nothing can be handled. But when you go back to joy, then you start to see life is no longer black and white. It's either this or that. It's there's a billion colors and there's a billion possibilities. And when I'm in joy, I can find them. So the other area I've noticed, and and, and unity works very hard at this, which I appreciate, is um, when someone has some bad news and we want to pray for them, like um, they have a bad news from the doctor's office and everyone, oh, and then we want to pray. Well, if we pray from that level, then we're giving them something we don't really want to give, aren't we? Wouldn't you rather give away joy? So the prayer we do here is about raising back up into the knowingness that there is just one power in the universe, just one. And that power works in and through us and everyone else and every grain of sand and everything that happens. And when we go back to that, then we find our joy again. Now, I have to be honest, sometimes I stay in that step a long time to get back to joy before I want to move on to any of the other parts, because I want to give the best of myself when I'm praying for others. I don't want to give them my worry and my anxiety. I don't want to give them my little judgments, because you know those angels and devils, they have lots of judgments, don't they? I don't want to give them that. I want to give them pure, unadulterated joy, because that joy remembers that they are spirit too, that they are infinite in their wisdom, their capabilities, their They're eternal beings. And then when I'm in joy, I remember that. And when I remember that for them, they can find it too. Now, when I was raising my son, I saw that I had a couple of jobs to do. And one of them was to, rather than rather than tell him all the things he was doing wrong, which we parents can get into, can't we? Where we're always saying, ah, uh, you got to do that different. No, 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 that's not right. And I realized, how, how did that affect me when I was growing up? I just felt wrong and bad and everything else. So I saw my job raising my son as, no, 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 I need to be the cheerleader here. I need to point out what he's doing right and so that he can feel good about, okay, there's something I can latch on to. Because we know how the mind works. When someone says, oh, you're so good, your brain goes, yeah, well, you didn't see what I did yesterday. You know? (laughs) And I believe that's our job, especially now that he's all grown up and gone. I absolutely am total cheerleader. That's my only job. I can't tell him what to do. I can't give him advice. That's not my job anymore. Because when you give an advice, advice to someone else, you're in essence saying, you don't know better, I'll help you out. <laughs> and that's not what I want to, the energy I want to give to him. I want the energy of him as, oh, you're going through this right now? I've got faith in you. You'll figure it out. And That's what I want to give out. We need to be cheerleaders for our loved ones. We need to not tell them, and we all love to give advice, and and I'm front of the line in that area. But if I can give more advice of looking them in the eye and saying, you've got this, I know you've got this, don't give up. Isn't that what we want to pass on to our loved ones? The last thing is the angel and the devil back to them again. Cuz you know they never shut up, do they? They kind of go all the time. Well, I tried telling them to be quiet. They don't listen. So instead I decided to have fun with them. Let's see how much I can giggle with the angel and the devil. Yeah, enjoy that piece of pie. No, you shouldn't eat it. There you go again. <laughs> Come on you guys, can you ever uh, agree on anything? And 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 see how much fun I can have with how the mind works, how the mind loves to mix and match and weigh things out and judge. The more we can giggle about it, the more we can get back into joy. So if I'm eating that piece of pie and the devil's going, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that, go, yeah, thanks for sharing. I'll talk to you later. I'm going to totally immerse myself in this pie right now and you can have fun with your actual thought patterns, because that's what leads that muscle to learning to be in greater joy. And in greater joy, the more you work that muscle, if you were working a a physical muscle, it just doesn't get more comfortable being used, it gets bigger. So does joy, when you actually work at that muscle, it gets bigger. And what a delightful thing to have is a greater sense of joy. We all have energy fields that are around us. And joy is one of the most powerful there are. It really is strong. Try it out. Play with your energy field. And you can notice that other people notice it, even from behind. They don't need to see your face. They can feel your joy because that is how spirit works. We're just energy. And how we portray that energy literally invites into our life more of the same. Now, it likes to challenge you too. Did you really mean it? Hey, you're in joy today? Are you really wanting to be in joy? Let's throw this little curve at you. I call it the cosmic pop quiz. So it's not like it's smooth sailing, but smooth seas do not make good sailors. Rough seas make good sailors. So when you are in joy, or wanting to be in joy, and it's it's a little challenging, it's a little tough, don't give up, because it is possible. Work that muscle. And yes, it gets tired, and sometimes the little devil goes, I don't want to. You got that little kid in you that says, I don't wanna. Even the stuff that you know you will be really happy about later on, keep working that muscle. Till that voice kind of quiets down because it will. The last thing is when you are looking at a tough situation and you've got some decisions to make, how many times do you kick out joy because you need to think about this? I know I do and lately I've been talking about it and going oh no, wait a minute, I'm not ready to make that decision yet. And I am a fast decision maker. I can make huge decisions in the, just the blink of an eye. But I have slowed down lately because I've realized there are very few decisions that have to be made immediately. And if I take time with it, maybe I'll come up with a, a different solution. And so now what I love to do with joy is to look at that thing I've got to work on and it's not totally comfortable. Wait, 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 I'm not ready to talk to you yet. I'm going back to joy. And when I come back to joy, when I'm in true joy, now I see the billion colors. Now I see the billion possibilities. And now I can look at that situation truly, freshly, and know that there is a great solution that will work. And I might not even know, even as I make the decision, I might not know of all the good things that happened from that. I need to know that because I made it in joy, I was connected. And so it was probably a better decision. And as it unfolds, it always unfolds better than I thought because joy leads to wonderful things. So the next time you catch your little angel and devil arguing with you, have a giggle. They are really fun to play with. And consider joy. Consider working that muscle joy. Make it your new challenge for the week. How much joy can you handle? Namaste.